January of 2007, I found out that my application for graduation from the University of Arkansas at Little Rock had been denied. I had failed the CPC exam, and I was somehow missing a class that my advisor had told me I didn't need to take. I had been in college in one way or another since the fall of 2000, and somehow the horse just wouldn't die no matter how hard I kicked it. This presented a slight problem, because my boss at MDH Builders was under the impression that I had graduated from college with a bachelor's degree in construction management. I had not. I'm Jacob Slayton, and this is my entire life. So it turned out that I needed one class to graduate, and that class was only offered on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 4 p.m. And that put me in a sticky situation because I couldn't really ask to leave work two days a week an hour early, or really an hour and a half early, for a class that I was supposed to have already completed for a degree that I was supposed to have already gotten. So I didn't bring it up. You know, if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So I just continued working there and never told them that I hadn't actually graduated yet. And uh, I just figured I'll figure this out later. So I just kind of put it on the back burner. But that was kind of a hilarious uh, surprise to me. Um, and my and like I said, my advisor had told me that I didn't need to take this class. But then it turned out he was wrong and I was supposed to take it. And then I also failed the CPC exam, which is the Certified Professional Constructor exam, which is like not really tied to the graduation thing, but it was just another like, oh my gosh, like this thing just keeps coming back up. So anyway, later on that spring, uh, Micaiah and I, uh, we had been living in the house in uh, Kamak Village and we were renting that house. And we had been looking to buy a house, you know, for a couple months. And we really wanted to live in this part of town called Hillcrest. Uh, Hillcrest is just a really cool neighborhood in central Little Rock that is pretty much like the only truly walkable neighborhood, like in central Arkansas, where you can actually like walk from your house to the you know, elementary school and the post office and the grocery store and there's several bars and like liquor store and there's restaurants and it's just a really fun place to live and we really wanted to live there and we had kind of started hanging out with some people that live down there too. So long story short, we bought a house in Hillcrest on I Street and it was just beautiful, just awesome. It was so fun like fixing it up and repainting it and everything and, you know, just kind of settling into a house that was like not ours because, you know, it belongs to the bank, but we bought the house, you know, it was like our first like house to buy. And uh, it was just such a, such a fun time, you know, and I'm making money and not much, you know, I had gotten a small raise, I think, but you know, it, it wasn't a ton, but Micaiah was working and I was working and we didn't have any kids and, you know, we just had a little bit of extra money. And so we're living in Hillcrest and around the time summer starts to come around, we start to talk about like maybe doing something fun for the summer because Micaiah was teaching at Little Rock Christian and had the summers off. I still had my job and you know I didn't have the summers off, but I had like two weeks of vacation every year. So we're looking at summer trip plans and stuff and our friends Ben and Angie had mentioned that they were gonna be taking a trip to Italy that summer. 
with some other friends and they invited us to go. But it was like, you know, we wanted to do something fun, but Italy was like way too big of a thing for us to consider. So we were just like, oh my gosh, that sounds amazing, but like we can't do that. You know, we were we were thinking about doing another small like camping trip. But we kind of kept thinking about it and thinking about it and we thought like, you know, we're we're, we're supposed to be saving money and stuff and but after a while we just decided to hell with it. Like, let's just take this trip to Italy. You know, who who cares? Screw savings. Let's do a trip. Let's do a big trip and let's do it right. And we had been talking about like having kids in the future and stuff. And we wanted to do something big like before that. So we decided let's buy this trip to Italy and just do it. So we uh, walked down the street to um, Hillcrest Liquor, bought a bottle of wine, and then walked down to Ben and Angie's house and knocked on the door. And we said, we're coming to Italy with you. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they just kind of, we're all screaming and stuff like, oh my gosh, are you serious? Yes. And like before an hour was up, we had gotten online and bought the plane tickets and like it was done, like committed, fully committed. We're going to Italy with Ben and Angie and this other couple who ended up like they weren't able to go after after all. So it ended up just being us and, and Ben and Angie. So that's what we did. We went to Italy the first uh, or it was the last week of June and the first week of July of 2007. We had had like meetings at, at Ben and Angie's house where we would drink wine and like Ben had drawn this big map of the country of Italy. He's a, he's a great artist and he drew this map of the country of Italy on the whiteboard and we were like plotting out our route and here's where we're going to stay and this is how many nights we're going to be here and then we're going to go to this thing and you know trip planning is almost as fun as doing the trip itself. And it was just fun just hanging out over there with them and you know looking at guidebooks together and and watching like the Rick Steves travel show and just kind of dreaming about these big things. And we were just so excited to get to do something like this. And so last week of June, we uh, get together and uh, go to the airport and we have our backpacks. We're kind of doing the backpacking style travel and we get on the plane, you know, and we're, we're headed to Italy. And what we did was we went to, we flew from Little Rock to Atlanta and then Atlanta to Lisbon, Portugal, and then Lisbon to Rome. And I'll never forget on that flight to um, to Lisbon from Atlanta, I remember like, you know, you're so excited getting on this cross-country flight. And, you know, I'm with my wife and Ben and his wife, and it was just so exciting. And I sat down on the flight, and if you've ever been on a cross-country flight, you know that like the center aisle is usually like, could be five seats wide. So like you might be stuck with one person on each side, which is whatever, fine. But we sat down in our seats, Micaiah's to my left, and there's an empty seat to my right, and then the aisle. And we're sitting there kind of getting settled in and everything. And this is like the long overnight flight. And uh, this guy comes and sits down next to me. I'll never forget. This dude was like seven foot tall, not seven feet tall, but he was a really tall guy. Uh, like a Jamaican dude, and he had dreadlocks like down to his knees. I mean, it was, there were extreme like, like Damien Marley dreads all the way down. And I remember he sat down next to me and he reached behind his head and he like flipped the dreads out from behind him because like they're so big and bulky, like you can't sit with them behind you, like they got to be in front of you. And so he flipped him around towards me and like flopped him kind of over onto his lap. But there was so much of the dreads that like they like flopped over onto my arm and like basically for the entire like 
many hours flight. Like this dude's like nappy dreads were just like touching my arm and like kind of on my lap a little bit. And like they're all itchy and they smell bad and stuff. And it was just like, oh my gosh. And he was like aggressive and like kind of an angry dude. Like he was not peace and love and, and uh, you know, Bob Marley. He was like kind of a grumpy, angry guy. I, who knows what, what was going on with him. But I sat there next to this dude with all his dreads all over me for the whole flight, which was pretty funny. Anyway, we uh, landed in Lisbon, changed planes, fly over to Rome from there, and the trip begins, right? And uh, we, we get off the plane, and right off the bat, you know, there was a problem. And the problem was they lost our bags. They completely lost our luggage, like our backpacks. We each had like a small carry-on, but we had checked our big stuff, you know, our big backpack. And they had just totally lost it. We, we get there, we go to the like, uh, you know, the carousel where the, where the luggage comes down and, you know, you stand there for a while and about halfway through you realize like my stuff ain't going to be on this conveyor belt anytime soon, you know. Sure enough, the conveyor belt sort of empties out. There's two or three pieces of luggage going around and none of it's ours. So then it's like, oh my God, you know. So you go to the uh, travel uh, desk or whatever, the airline desk and you know, we tell them like, hey, you know, our bags didn't show up on the thing. And they give you something to fill out. You fill out the paperwork and everything. And and I remember the lady at the desk was like, you know what? Go enjoy your trip to Italy. Have fun. Enjoy yourself. We will get the bags to you. Don't worry about it. And we were like, okay, thank you for, I appreciate the positivity. But like, number one, how are you going to find me? We're not just going to be in Rome this whole time. We got places to go. We have like bookings in different cities all over this country. And like, we're not just going to enjoy our vacation with nothing. You know, <laughs> like we didn't have enough money to just like buy new clothes and toothbrushes and, you know, like all the things that you need. And but they're like, just go enjoy your trip and we will get a hold of you. And it's like, we don't have a phone in this country, you know, like there's no way for you to get a hold of us. There's just, that's not a possibility. Um, but anyway, they, they weren't going to do anything for us right then. So we left the airport and we were like, well, we'll just have to come back tomorrow. And we had spent, um, we were going to spend like two or three days in Rome anyway. So that was okay. But they had no idea where our luggage was. Right. And as we're like leaving the airport, we see these just like piles of luggage kind of in random places. It seemed like there was no rhyme or reason to like what luggage was where. None of it was ours, but we were just like seeing all these piles of luggage. We're like, we're never going to find these bags. And if you've ever been to the Rome airport, it's it's kind of just chaos. Or it was then anyway. It probably still is to some degree now. But we left the airport. We get on a train uh, into like the, the central city of Rome and uh, – walk to our, or we get us, get on the, uh, we got from one train onto the subway, which took us, uh, over towards the Coliseum, which is near where we were going to be staying. And we walk over to our, uh, our little, uh, Airbnb basically and, uh, meet the lady and, you know, get into our spot and everything. And then we just kind of like, well, we got nothing else to do. We're still wearing the same clothes we had on. In fact, uh, Micaiah and Angie, ended up, uh, like, we're just staying in this lady's apartment. Her name was Alessandra. And we had met her, but then she was leaving, you know, so that we could be there. And, uh, but she was, like, roughly the same size as as Micaiah and Angie. And so Micaiah and Angie just, like, (laughs) 
raided her drawers, <laughs> which is hilarious. Like they just like completely like rifled it through this lady's stuff. And like, uh, I don't remember what exactly they got from her, but like they borrowed her clothes for sure. Cause we were all in the same clothes that we had worn on the overnight flight and you're just kind of nasty and everything. And, and we took showers and stuff, but me and Ben just put on the same clothes that we had flown in. Cause what are you going to do? And we travel around Rome and, you know, check out the Colosseum and stuff and kind of just, you know, the first day is kind of a wash because you're traveling and you're tired and everything. So we didn't do much that first day. But we did check out like the um, the area like right around the Colosseum where there's all kinds of really cool ruins and stuff. And I forget what that area is called, but it's really cool. But we're just kind of wandering around the city, right? Go back to the place, you know, and, uh, you know, get some sleep. And the next day... Me and Ben had to go back to the airport to look for the luggage again. You know, we, we were not about to just sit and wait for a phone call from these people who clearly didn't seem to care that we were completely, uh, you know, held hostage by this luggage that we didn't have. So we go back to the airport, just me and Ben. And it was really funny. Like, we realized, like, the only way to really figure this out is to get back into the, um, the like, security area, like the secure area where you can only go through if you have plane ticket, you know, and we obviously didn't have a plane ticket. So we're like, dang, how are we going to get back in there? Because we, we really wanted to go back and talk to the same people that we had talked to the day before, um, you know, at the gate so that we wouldn't have to explain the whole situation again. So we're kind of standing there like realizing that and looking around like, how are we going to get back in here? And then like this, uh, this, this Roman cop just like kind of walks out of this um, like exit only door into like the non-secure area. And he, he kind of moved out of the way quickly and the door was kind of closing fast and we kind of look around and we're like, uh, here we go. And we just jumped through the open door and like now we're in the secure area. Uh, hopefully they've um, tightened it down a little bit more than that. But like there was a slight fear that we were going to set off an alarm or something, but like no one cared. No one cared at all. We were just in the airport, in the secure area. So we're like, well, that was easy. And uh, before we go back to the um, the airline desk, we, we decide, like, well, let's just kind of look around and snoop around a little bit and see what we can figure out. And we start looking in, like, empty, you know, offices and rooms and doorways and just kind of, I don't know what we were doing, really. But I remember walking into this one room that was, like, it, it was, like, the size of a basketball court. Uh, and, and it was just huge. In my mind, it was like the uh, end of uh, Indiana Jones and uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, where like they they store the Ark at the very end of the movie, like in that crate in this like eternal like warehouse that just like rose and rose and rose, just keep going like off into the distance. It seemed like that in my mind, and what was inside this room was just these these tall racks, like floor to ceiling racks, and it, again, it was like the size of a basketball court. And they were just full of luggage, just full. All the racks, all the shelves were just, it was just luggage stacked. And it, it had that feeling, it had that look like this stuff has been here for a while. And it was, there was nobody watching the room. We, we literally could have just walked in there and just like picked out a few bags and just took, took those on our trip, you know? And like, we, we had thought about doing that, honestly, um, because, you know, this is a big trip. We're not just going to like not have our bags but anyway we go back to uh the the uh airline desk at the gate where we were where we had talked to the people yesterday and it was the same people and they acted like they didn't know us you know it's the same thing like oh just go enjoy your vacation and blah 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 and all this stuff (laughs) 
it's like, come on, you know, what are we going to do? And, and, you know, they're supposed to like have tracking numbers on these, on these bags and stuff. And like, they, they didn't have any of that. Me and Ben just end up sitting down like on the, on the ground in front of the, uh, in front of the desk, just kind of like, well, let's wait around and I don't know, come up with a plan or something. We did not want to go back and just give up. Like this was kind of going to be our last chance to get our luggage because, uh, the next day, you know, we were going to, uh, travel to, um, to Florence and then kind of go on from there. And so we're just sitting there and everything and kind of figuring out our options and stuff. And, uh, after a minute I look, I kind of lean around and I look, um, around behind the desk where these, um, you know, airline workers were, were behind the desk there. And behind the desk, there's like an office with a door. And inside that office, I could tell that there was like a small pile of luggage, like maybe a dozen bags. And, uh, and I kind of look in there and I'm like, well, let me see if I can see anything. And I look in there and I see our bags. They're just sitting on the ground inside this office. And I, I look in there and I start to just go grab them. And I, but I decided like, I'm going to tell this lady first. So I said, uh, excuse me, ma'am, that's our bags right there. And she's like, huh, what, what? And she, she kind of was like, okay, we'll get them. <laughs> and so we go in this office. I grab my bag and Makai's bag. Ben grabs his bag and Angie's bag. And we walk out of the office and we're just like, peace out. Like, I don't care to talk to you about this. I don't care to resolve this issue at all. We're just out of here. And the lady kind of like just halfway glanced at us from the corner of her eye and then just kept getting back to her work, you know. And it's like if we hadn't spotted those bags, they probably would have ended up just in that like eternal warehouse of like lost luggage. Uh, who knows what the story really was with them. We never found out. But we uh, took those bags and we took the train back to Rome and took the subway back to the Coliseum and then walked down the street. And I remember coming down the street, we turned onto our street corner where um, where we were staying and the ladies were um, standing on the balcony. We had like a third floor balcony, you know, in this uh, little apartment that we were staying in and they were out there just kind of hanging out. And uh, me and Ben had been gone for hours, hours and hours, like probably six hours. And uh, we turned the corner and we each have our own backpacks on our backs and our wife's backpack, like on our front. And we turned the corner and they could see us and they start cheering, you know, and it's like, yes, like we, we returned victorious, you know, we, we, uh, we, we got what we needed and we uh, were ready to hit Rome like for real, like the, essentially the travel part of the trip, like the getting to Rome part was over once we got our bags. And uh, so that was just amazing. It was just so much fun. So we spent the rest of the day in Rome. We're looking around. We're kind of doing all the things. We go to the Spanish Steps and the Fountain of Trevi and uh, the, uh, the Pantheon. And it was just magical. If you've never been to Italy, I realize this is something that is not attainable for everyone. But if you can pull it off, I say go for it. You know, life is short and, uh, you know, it's, it's expensive, but it's not insanely expensive. And uh, so it was just so cool just being there and traveling around and stuff. And so after Rome, we, we pack up from our little apartment that we had stayed at there and we caught a train up to Florence, which isn't too far from Rome. And we spend the day in Florence. We, we didn't have a, a night there. We just had the day there. And so we spent the day hanging around in Florence and went to the um, the museum where they have the David statue, which is incredible. And, you know, just just kind of just hanging out, right? Like we, I love that we didn't really like jam pack the trip with like 
a huge itinerary. Like we built in a lot of just kind of strolling around and, you know, drinking espresso time and just kind of enjoying being, uh, being in the culture, you know, and, and, and just eating good food and stuff. So we traveled around Florence and at the end of the day in Florence, we went and rented a car and, for some reason, I was the only one that had gotten the like international driver's license um, thing. So I was the driver for the whole trip. And we rented this little car and I want to say it was a Fiat. It was like a four-door Fiat, like a small car. And, uh, you know, we jump in this car and it has, we, we got the GPS thing and we plug in, you know, our, our destination, which is our next spot was going to be up in Tuscany, which isn't, I mean, Florence is in Tuscany, but we were going kind of outside of town to like the countryside, you know? And, uh, and so we plug in the, the address and everything and we pull out and it was like, it was a pretty wild driving around in, in Italy, you know, like and Florence is a big city and life moves fast and everybody's kind of, you know, zipping around. Of course we had been in Guatemala where things are pretty chaotic too. And so I felt pretty comfortable there, you know, but it was definitely a little hectic, like getting out of town. Once we got out of town, you know, it was all good. And uh, we had a short little drive to um, where we were going uh, to our next spot, which was just the most amazing place ever. It was uh, it was a little agriturismo, which is like a um, like a bed and breakfast on a farm or a vineyard. It was called the Agriturismo Il Pesatino in this little town called Rufina, Italy. We pull up to this little place. It was a four bedroom, little bed and breakfast type thing also run by this lady named Alessandra. And she was so cool. She was just like the the Italian mom that, that you kind of dream of. Not the like old lady that's like just making pasta all day, but like the cool Italian mom that's like, you know, if I was friends with her son, I would want to be hanging out at, at their house. Like she's just a cool lady, right? And uh, she welcomes us and gives us a big hug and like the double kiss on the cheek thing. And it just felt so cool. And we got our rooms and everything. And I mean, this place is just magical. It was on this vineyard and they made their own wine there and the wine was fantastic. And, you know, we just kind of hung out. Like this was our days of just like taking it easy in Tuscany. And, you know, Tuscany is everything that everybody says it is. It's just so chill and so cool and just the, the the climate is just right and the rolling hills and just the beautiful scenery and these old, you know, 800-year-old houses are like no big deal to see something that old and the stone walls around things. And if you can just close your eyes for a second and just kind of imagine just like taking it easy on this uh, patio out in front of this bed and breakfast that has like this um, pergola up above it and the pergola is covered with like olive trees and uh, and grape vines and the grapes are hanging down and there's, you know, um, a pool right beyond that. And I mean, it was just amazing. I'll never forget uh, those times that we just sat out there and the cool breeze and, and just chilled out. So we traveled around Tuscany for a little while, just kind of piddling around. And I remember one night we um, or one day we asked Alessandra because she had told us, like, if you guys need to know what to do, like some things to do, like I'll be happy to, to tell you. And she spoke good English, but it was broken, you know. And so one day we said, like, hey, Alessandra, um, you know, we want to, like, maybe go see some other, like, small town, like, that maybe tourists don't really go to, you know, very much. Like, what's something cool, like, kind of nearby that uh, we should check out just to go wander around and kind of check out a town and maybe get something to eat? And she said, oh, 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 I know. You, you have to go to Poppy. You have to go to Poppy. 
you know, and she's, she's sort of very animated. You have to go to Poppy. And she's like, all right, we'll go to Poppy. And she said, there is a restaurant there and you drive up, 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 up into the top of the town and there is a castle up at the very top and there is a restaurant there and I can't think of the name of it, you know, and she keeps going on. She can't think of the name of it and everything and she's really trying to think of it. And then she just goes, just, you will know, you will know. When, when you get there, you will know. Just trust me, you will know. So it's like, okay, great. So we're going to Poppy. So we, uh, we get in the car. It was like a 40-minute drive or something to uh, this little town called Poppy. She drifts this little map. And, uh, you know, there, it was kind of set on a hillside. And sure enough, like the main road, like the main drag through town just goes up, 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 up this hill towards this castle that's at the top. And it's not like a gigantic castle. It's like a, you know, it's like a... Uh, upper middle class castle, <laughs> uh, which has turned into a museum and stuff. But um, it was like the pinnacle of this hilltop town, you know. And so we drive all the way up there and park and we get out and we're looking around at the castle and just sort of wandering around. And like, sure enough, like there's several restaurants kind of in that vicinity. And we're like, geez, what, what are we looking for here? Like, like, and so we kind of walk the loop like near the castle and we're kind of trying to figure out, like, where are we supposed to go, you know? And there's, like, probably two or three, four different restaurants. And we kind of pass by the first two. And and there's, like, I don't know. That doesn't seem like the kind of place where you would say you will know when you get there, you know? So we keep walking. And we we kind of see a little um, what, what looks like some people kind of gathering in sort of an area a little farther away and walk over there. And, and uh, sure enough, like you can hear the, the wine glasses kind of clinking and the, the silverware sort of, sort of moving around. And it was like just this beautiful, like outdoor kind of patio dining sort of situation. Like it almost looked like just a home, like a, not a for real restaurant, but just like a kind of a hobbyist restaurant, like a mom and pop kind of place. And we were like, this is the spot for sure. <laughs> and, uh, so we, we walk up us four white people and, uh, you know, this was not a touristy town. There was nothing in English. It was all just in Italian. It was just Italian people hanging out. And uh, we walk in this restaurant and they, you know, are happy to see us and everything. And they sit us down at this table, this big, long kind of picnic table, outdoor type thing. And, you know, they, uh, they come over and they start to talk to us. And they realize, like, we don't really speak Italian. And, you know, we were basically just like, we're hungry. We would love some wine and some food whatever you would like to bring us, we would be very happy with that. You know, it's like we didn't, there was not really a lot of ordering, but we were, we kind of communicated like, we want to eat and drink, please. And they're like, you got it. And so like they start bringing out the wine and like we kind of told them like, we want the whole thing. We want the full experience, you know. So they're bringing out these little carafes of wine and, you know, they bring these wine carafes out and, and it's just like a, like pottery, you know, or like a, a decanter. Like we don't know what we're drinking you know, there's no labels on anything. We have these cool wine glasses and we're just pouring it up, you know, and, uh, and then they bring out, you know, the bruschetta and, and, you know, the, uh, the salad course and things and, and, and the pasta and pasta and pasta and more pasta. And, oh my gosh, I'll never forget it. It was just one of those lifelong memorable meals. And I feel like we sat there for like three or four hours, you know, it, it was daytime when we sat down and it was like well into the night when we got up and we had had like, we had honestly probably drank a bottle of wine each and just you're full, you're buzzing a little bit from the wine and you know, you're walking back to the car with your friends and you're just happy and you're laughing and you're being stupid and just like, 
there's something amazing about that feeling. And like, honestly, those are the types of things that really make life just feel vibrant, you know, and it's, it's not like you can live that way all the time, but if you can find it here and there, oh, there's nothing like it. It's so sweet. And it's, it's easy to forget those times when you sort of are away from them for a while. But if you go back in your mind, you can probably think through and, and, and go to a place in your time, in your mind, where you remember that feeling. You know, it's, it, you guys know what I'm talking about. It's just amazing, you know, just just amazing. And, and so we, we get back to the car and drive back to the little uh, agriturismo and, you know, stay there a couple more nights. And then uh, uh, we had to say goodbye to Alessandra and continue on our trip. But the cool thing is, since that trip and coming back and telling everybody about it, um, we had two different groups of friends go back to that exact same spot and stay at that same bed and breakfast um, where Alessandra had, had uh, you know, taken such good care of us. And it was just so cool to like, see their pictures later. And they went back and found that we had signed our names in the guest book and stuff like that. And it's just so cool to kind of have a place like that where you get to send other people and they get to go have the same experience that you had. So we, we get in the car and we drive north and we go to um, the Dolomites, the Italian Alps and the Dolomites, which is like a region within the Italian Alps that's just like well known as, you know, one of the birthplaces of like Italian style mountaineering um, and, and like alpinism. It's just a beautiful, beautiful location where like there's these just savage, jagged peaks just like screaming up into the sky and it, it looks a lot like what you've seen um, if you've seen pictures of like Patagonia or like, you know, the, the Chilean Alps, um, just just insane peaks. And, and that's what I wanted to see in the Dolomites. The Dolomites is also home to one of my favorite mountaineers of all time, Reinhold Messner, who is arguably like the father of modern um, sort of fast and light uh, mountaineering. And he lived in that area and established all these first uh, first ascent routes in that area and kind of pioneered this uh, new style of climbing out there. And I was just fascinated by that whole thing. And so thankfully, my wife and my friends agreed, like, yes, we can go to the Dolomites. So we go up the Dolomites, check out the mountains and just have a blast up there. We keep traveling and, you know, we're just driving and having a good time. And we had they had like the um, auxiliary cord in the car. And all I had on my phone were these two albums by Regina Spector. And so that became like the soundtrack of our trip. And that's what we listened to in the car, like driving all over the country was just these, the first two albums by Regina Spector. Um, the first one was called Soviet Kitsch. And the second one was called Begin to Hope. And oh, those such beautiful albums. Every time I hear those songs now, I go right back to our time in Italy. And, you know, so if you haven't heard Regina Spector in a while or ever, turn on those first two albums, especially Begin to Hope. Um, and just, uh, just, just get a kick out of those. Cause man, that was, that was absolutely the soundtrack of our trip. And it was just so much fun to kind of have that going on. So after the Dolomites, we go down, we go clear across the country, traveling east to west. And we hit the Cinque Terre area, which is, um, the, these five towns that are built right on the coast, um, on the, on the uh, Western coast of Italy. Uh, and they're just beautiful, colorful towns. Um, if you haven't seen pictures, look them up. It's just magical. And we, we did this um, thing where you can just hike from uh, one to the next. And, and so you hi we hiked from like the southernmost town all the way up to the northernmost town. They're not very far apart, but 
the it's like they're built into these cliff sides and it's just you know it's just a beautiful beautiful place and we had a great time in the Cinque Terre and swam in the Mediterranean Sea and the trip was just magical um just absolutely magical and one funny thing about this trip that uh, that I wanted to mention was at the beginning of the trip Ben and I told our wives like we both we both enjoyed smoking cigarettes from time to time honestly much more than we let on and and uh but we were like you know we'll get a pack of smokes and everything and the wives were like cool with it but obviously like they also didn't really want us to be smoking the whole time they didn't want us to be smoking at all but we're also on vacation and everything and whatever so they were like just don't go crazy with it and so me and ben told our wives like don't worry we're gonna get one pack and we'll share the one pack for the trip you know we'll, we'll just get one pack and me and ben will split it and when it's gone it's gone and but we actually <laughs> what we actually did was we got the one pack it was like the first thing we did when we got to rome like, all right, this is it. And we burned through that pack in about two days. And we just kept buying more packs and replenishing the original pack. <laughs> and so, like, at the end of the trip, there ended up being, like, four different kinds of cigarettes in this pack. And it was, like, the the never-ending pack of smokes. And the, every time we pulled one out, the wives were like, you guys still haven't finished that pack yet? <laughs> it was like, no, no, no. You know, there's, like, 100 in each pack. <laughs> <laughs> and uh so you know me and Ben are smoking and uh, getting away with it and everything and it was just it was just a fun time so Cinque Terre did that and then we went down south to uh Sorrento uh toured through Pompeii one of my favorite things about seeing Pompeii was uh we went to um the uh the old Colosseum in Pompeii and uh, I wanted to see that because Pink Floyd famously recorded a concert there in like the early 70s i don't exactly remember when it was 72 or 73 maybe they recorded a i say concert but they it wasn't really a concert i don't think there was an audience they just played live there and you know that obviously pink floyd's a wild band and just to be able to play in pompeii um it's just a insane thing and i remember seeing videos of that and just like i gotta check that out and so it just all had this kind of eerie sort of vibe about it. Um, not only because how many people died there, but also like the Pink Floyd show, which was like bizarre and weird anyway. But we, we traveled around Pompeii. It was amazing. And uh, then we uh, finished up our trip in uh, Positano, which is um, just, uh, just south of the Sorrento area. And uh, it's on the Amalfi Coast, and it's just beautiful. The whole country is amazing. Every single part of Italy is amazing. And uh, I remember walking through the the town of uh, Sorrento and Positano, and uh, I think it's Sorrento where they it's it's all about the limoncello. And uh, so we got like you can walk into any shop, and they'll give you a sample of limoncello, which is like this super cold Italian liqueur, like lemony liqueur, and it's like super high alcohol content. And uh, you know, so you just walk in there and like free shots of limoncello as long as you you're walking around and so it's like you get a little buzz from that and it was just an amazing time i could do a whole podcast just on that trip but we must move on so not long after getting home from the trip i'm back at work at mdh builders and i uh, about a couple of weeks after we got home i get a call from my buddy chris who had moved to a different um, construction company and he had called me to see if i was interested in making a move um, to another company to, to come work with him at this new company and um, and honestly, I was going to do just about anything to get out of MDH Builders. So 
I said, like, I would love to talk to you about that. And uh, within a couple of days, I found myself sitting down with uh, the owners of uh, Boyd Corley Construction, or it was called Bell Corley Construction at the time. And, um, you know, talked to them and, and seemed like a cool place to work. And, and they offered me a job the next day for $45,000 a year, which was a massive improvement on the, uh, I think I was making 32 at the time at MDH after, after like one raise. And so I was like, hell yeah, I took the job. I said, I'll start in two weeks. And the next day at MDH, I gave my boss my two weeks notice. And, uh, you know, I reiterated to him at that time, like he said, you know, why, why do you want to leave here? You know? And I reiterated to him, like, I don't like the culture here. You know, I don't like the, the like extremely sexually charged nature of this company and the people here. And I, I don't want to be here anymore. And he, again, he was like, you're right. You're right. I totally get it. And we're going to make some changes. And hopefully they did. I don't really know because I was gone. Um, he, uh, you know, he said, thanks for my time and my work and every, everything. And he said, you know, why don't you go ahead and make, make today your last day and you can spend today just kind of tying up loose ends and transferring over some of the the things that you were working on to, to other people and, and, uh, good luck with your new job. So, um, you know, I, I packed up my office, said goodbye to the people that I cared to say goodbye to, uh, which wasn't many. And I pieced out of that place forever. Thank God. And in August, I started my new job at Bell Corley construction and I was right across the hall from my buddy, Chris, and we were having a great time, you know, working together again and just, He's such, he was such a fun friend and I still talk to him now. And it was just, he was like my saving grace at that company. Um, I, I just really loved hanging out with him and, and it was fun again, but the fun did not last long. You know, before long, I was just unhappy in construction again. And I, I still had this dream of photography sort of floating through my mind, you know, and I had shot all these pictures in Italy and, you know, I, I had gotten like a, semi-decent camera but it wasn't really great but I'm you know I'm, I'm shooting photos in Italy and I've I've just discovered this bug and this taste for this dream and I'm kind of trying to figure out like how can I turn this into a reality you know and and save up to get like a, a proper photo camera uh, but our Italy trip had like wiped out our money and so it was just a, a time of like conflict of, like here I am but I want to be here so that was kind of the vibe that I was living in at the time. So that was August and I had burned up my money and I had burned up my uh, time off for that year. And so it was just like working every day for the rest of that year. And honestly, I don't have like any memories from the second half of that year because, you know, it was just so crushing to me to like every day is exactly the same. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, wake up at 7 a.m., take a shower, put on some stupid work clothes, put on some damn leather shoes, walk out the door, drive to my office, sit down in my chair, take phone calls, blah, blah, blah. All this garbage I did not care about at all. I mean, there was still slightly like some things about construction that were interesting to me. And I did enjoy working with Chris and got to know a couple of the other guys there and stuff, but none of it was interesting to me, you know? And I would stay at that office from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. every day. And I remember at one point, my boss came in and told us all like, hey, you know, just because like the workday's over at five doesn't mean like you have to leave at five. You know, we want to see you guys going the extra mile and stuff. And I remember thinking like, goodness, like how long do you want me to stay here, man? You know, six? Do I really have to be here till six just because you want to see me here at six? It's just so dumb. And 
you know, there was definitely no leaving early, you know. There was no cutting out on Fridays at 4.30, you know. It's just like, that's so stupid. I was so sick of it. And, like, just week after week after month after month of that, I was just burning out on it. And I hadn't even been in it that long. But I had a dream of something bigger and better and something greater and some kind of a new level of freedom that I thought I could truly accomplish. And that's what we're going to talk about next time. The year is over and we start looking forward to 2008, which turned out to be, without a doubt, the most ferocious year of my life in so many ways. Jesus, I get a rush of like crippling anxiety just thinking about it. And I could get into it now. I could start to give you some teasers right now, but I might not be able to stop. So let's just save it for next week. Next Monday, we go back to 2008. What a year. Stick around with me for that. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a big one. And listen, I would love it if you guys would stop for a second and leave me a review and a rating on iTunes. You, I'm talking to you. You listening to this right now, in your headphones, in your car. Hook a brother up with a rating and a review. Give me five stars. Type a little thing that says, this is great, I love it. Leave me a rating, it'd be cool, it means a lot. It seems like it means a lot. Maybe it doesn't mean anything, who knows. I'll check you guys next time. See ya, thank you for listening, goodbye.